Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast for your Detroit Lions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor at Pride of Detroit and your co-host for First Bite. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. I know it's been a rough two weeks, but we're hoping to turn things around this week. And we have a big show for you for week three. But before we get to my guests, it's Lions Cardinals week. Let's welcome in my co-host, Ryan Matthews. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Oh, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the prospect of seeing the lions turn things around in the desert. <laughs> Are you saying that co- to convince yourself because you weren't I mean you didn't convince me there. <laughs> well then I guess it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh all right, uh every week when we do this preview podcast we like to bring someone from the opponent side of View, the side of the field, um, someone who knows the other team, an expert in that field, and this week is uh, um, is, is is more of the same. Except we've got a very special guest, uh, Ed Smith, joins us from the Believe in Cardinals podcast. He's also a former NFL tight end, and he actually spent some time with the Lions. Um, he was our guest last year too, because the Lions and Cardinals seem to play each other every single week. Ed, thanks for rejoining the show, bud. Hey, Jeremy Ryan, great to be here, and uh, uh, buck up, fellas. It, it, it'll get better. <laughs> you would know, right? You would know. The Cardinals have seen them some some dark times. They've seen some good times. Um, by the way, Ed Smith speaks on Twitter. Um, let's get into into this year because obviously obviously things are looking pretty bright for the Cardinals. Just a couple of years after after being you know bottom of the league type of team, um, but this kind of offseason was a little I don't know quiet in 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 terms of overall things. Um, they didn't quite make a ton of moves. There was one big move, which we'll get to, but um, what do you think of their kind of overall offseason philosophy of just like, maybe let's just let everything kind of percolate and, and you know, uh, second year under Cliff K- Kingsbury, we got the guys we want. Let's just kind of get them up to speed and, and maybe not add a ton of people in free agency or lose a ton of people in free agency. Well, it was actually really a pleasure, uh, you know, a, a nice surprise because, you know, the as we know in the, in the NFL, too much turnover, um, all that does is create chaos sometimes. You, you are constantly trying to mold guys into the system, uh, you know, not just on the field, off the field as well, you know, because it takes a lot. A roster of 53, if you're constantly churning it, guys don't have an opportunity just to get to know each other, get to work with each other, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously with everything with the uh, dealing with the coronavirus during the offseason, that was like that almost uh, forced uh, some teams to be a little quieter. You know, there wasn't a lot of movement. You really couldn't have free agents in and out uh, to even see and want to sign them. So, like I said, it was kind of forced forced on us a little bit, but really nice to see what the Cardinals did uh, you know, not going out there and just bringing a whole bunch of dudes in. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we, as you can see, we're starting to kind of build something here. Hopefully, you know, we're on that uptick and we all know it, uh, it takes a while. You know, I'm trying to alert everybody out here. Hey, don't start buying your Super Bowl tickets yet, you know, and, <laughs> you know, slow your roll. But, you know, at least, uh, you know, after these first two weeks, you know, it's, uh, let's just say this much. And I don't know offense guys is much better to be two and oh than oh and two. 
Yeah, and what, one of the really easy ways to get to 2-0 and is when you do acquire a dude, and I'm talking about DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that was just, I think, the biggest move of the entire offseason, and it's already seeming to pay dividends. Are you noticing just a huge uptick in the offense from, from his addition? Absolutely, Ryan. And the thing that, you know, what shocked us all, I think, was they basically, they got DeAndre for like, uh, a song and a dance, you know, you got rid of, uh, you know, we were having issues. Let's call it that with David Johnson over the last few years, whether it be injury or not really feeling like he wanted to be here. And, and all of a sudden you were able to get rid of him and then bring in this probably top three uh, wide receiver in the league. And then to boot, he signs an extension because he actually wants to be here. It's like, I mean, we're running around out here, like just, Oh my God. You know, it's like after all the years, you know, especially a couple of years or so ago, all the bad and all of a sudden you see this happen. It's like, wow, you know, you almost want to pinch yourself. Just make sure you're not dreaming this because, you know, we've had so many instances where we bring old free agents in here or try to use somebody's, uh, not necessarily trash, but, you know, try to re, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of recycle uh, or recycle. repurpose. Yeah. There you go. Want to recycle everybody else's stuff. And now we finally, it looks like we have our own along with our franchise quarterback. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a great building block for, uh, for success. And we, like I said, we just got to take it one step at a time now. Did it surprise you that, that they made that move considering, you know, they just drafted Andy Isabella and, and Christian Kirk and, and they have Larry Fitzgerald. Like it seems like an already really crowded wide receiver room for them to go out and be super aggressive and get another, like you said, top three. And, and maybe that's being a little too generous, a little too modest. He might be a top one wide receiver in the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have, you know, the fact that they pulled it off was the biggest surprise. If, mm-hmm. if you know, and, and it was one of those situations where if word would have got out that they had an opportunity to do it and didn't, then you catch holy, you know, crap, you know. <laughs> so in this instance, it was one of those things where, you know, I don't know how they talked O'Brien and the, 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 the Texans into this one, but it's almost, you know, like I said, it was almost like it was too good to be true. And then you bring him in here, like I said, with, uh, you know, a budding young quarterback, a veteran in Larry Fitzgerald, who just a consummate pro, uh, accepts his role. And, you know, a lot of wide receivers, you know, in Larry's position, they would have, you know, well, why are you going out and bringing this dude in? You know, whereas Larry is like, oh, my God, you know, you take one, I'll be two uh, and do everything I have to do for this to be successful. And it's, you know, it's really like, uh, like I said, just couldn't ask for more from the off season as far as that position and what they were able to pull off. So even to start the season, I mean, you know, they, they get DeAndre Hopkins, they get a big name, but then they're faced with fame, you know, for, uh, with facing the NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers right out of the gate. So, I mean, if you want to get tested, you get tested and, and they, they came up big in game one. I think that that was one of the biggest week one shockers to me was just the way that they were able to knock off um, what seemed to be like the team to beat still in the NFC. So, I mean, what kind of momentum are they building here now after picking up a, another win in week two? Yeah, that game in San Francisco, and I will say they caught, it was almost like the perfect storm, perfect timing. You know, no no offseason to prepare. Everybody and everybody's dealing with the same issues. So, you know, nobody gets a pass here or a pass there. But, you know, week one against the 49ers, no fans in the stands. Uh 49ers riddled with injury, and that's why myself and my partner, believing the Arizona Cardinals, you know, Javon Adams, we, we took a little flack out here because we didn't pick the Cardinals, 
And, you know, some people did, and, you know, they made sure they let us know. But I had no idea they would be able to go up there uh, and pull off the victory. But, you know, what was what was really impressive started out looking like sometime the old Cardinals, no ball control, offense sputtering, nothing looked like it was working. Then all of a sudden they took control of that game and literally took it to the NFC champion of, you know, the uh, 49ers and it was that was the most impressive part because they could have just reverted back to old but they actually turned it up a notch and then you would have thought that the Cardinals were the team that were favored in that game because everything started to click and and then you know you uh, you pull off that victory and then you know because of what the Washington football team and all of a sudden they're coming in here and everybody's thinking well you know this will be a, a bigger test because you know now you got Washington coming here and they look just as impressive last week uh, even more so than, you know, what they did against the uh, 49ers, more control. Uh, you know, I, I look at um, uh, Kyler Murray, and you guys uh, you guys might be gamers too. We've all played our Madden in different games and stuff like that. You know, a little tur- you know when you get to hit the turbo button, and all of a sudden Murray looks like he's got a turbo button uh, somewhere under his uniform because he seems like he can hit that extra speed or that next level and, you know, he looks a lot faster than everybody else out there on the field. Now, like I said, once again, I'm slow on the roll because it is just two weeks into the season. But they do look good, and we have some momentum. And now we'll be facing, you know, you guys coming in here. And this will be another true test. You know, you can't let down on these type of games. I want to I want to talk a little bit about the defense because I feel like that was the the side of the ball that obviously needed the most improvement. I think they were 32nd in passer rating allowed in, in 2019. Um you look at that first game against the 49ers, they get a big fourth down stop on the goal line. Um, Garoppolo's, you know, driving to win the game in the red zone. They get a big stop there. Do you see this defense turning things around this year? Or is it just kind of a case where, okay, we played Washington. Dwayne Haskins hasn't been a great quarterback so far. Garoppolo's had his kind of ups and downs. Kittle was injured in that game. Um, what are your thoughts on, on where this defense is? Is it for real yet? Or are you kind of still playing the wait and see thing? It's a work in progress. You know, uh, don't like to jump the, the gun on anything. One of the things, and you guys remember from last year's game, we, you know, all through the season, we couldn't cover a tight end with a blanket. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you gave us a blanket and said, put it on him, we'd have found a way to, 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 to not hit the mark, right? Uh, Hawkinson, we made him look like he was going to be the next uh, Kittle. Uh, you run down the list. We already had – if you guys played us every week last week, Hawkinson would already be nominated for the Hall of Fame regardless <laughs> of what he did the rest of his career. That's how bad we were in, in you know, covering tight ends. Um, you get, you know, fast forward a year, uh, you know, they haven't had a chance to do anything on the field because obviously circumstance, no offseason, no preseason, uh, very limited time together. But uh, I see an improvement in nothing else – if in nothing else, the fact that our guys are flying around a little more now. And I think that comes with familiarity with the defensive scheme and uh, Vance Johnson another year to kind of coach these guys. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it looked like we were running in, in mud. Our guys were, in, you know, maybe it was because we switched schemes and guys were un- not confident in what they were doing. But I used to remark all the time, it looks like those guys are just, they like have no fire, nothing, you know, they don't want to hit anybody. Is it? And then you fast forward, like I said, we got Buddha out there flying, Buddha Baker flying around. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, with bad intentions, man, this dude's not a big, <laughs> big guy, but he's 
you know, just covering everything. And this all started last year at the end of the season. You know, obviously uh, we got Chandler Jones up front, and then they went out and got Isaiah Simmons, draft pick, uh, who's going – he's a work in progress. He is definitely, with no offseason, going to take some time to figure it out, not just in his head, but also the speed of the game on the field is going to be a problem for him. But if they use him situationally, he's going to be an added benefit. And then you throw in Patrick Peterson over the last couple of years with wanting to be traded, and then last year starting the season off with the PED suspension, he's got something to prove this year as well. So it's almost like a nice mix of, you know, we got some talent there, got guys that need to prove something. We got some young guys who – are going to eventually work into the system. We got a guy that just got paid and I'm sure he wants to prove that he was worth every penny that they gave him in Buddha. So, you know, a lot of good things on that side of the ball as well. Jeremy, you want to jump into this uh, injury report we have? Well, I, I want to ask about one more thing because okay. the, the, the Cardinals did uh, add a player that I think Lions fans know quite well. Uh, Devon Kennard um, was a guy who the Lions kind of surprisingly cut this offseason. I know he was in on that big fourth down stop in week one. How's he looked overall through two weeks? He's look good. You know, and, and the, 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 the thing I'll remark on again, the fact that these guys did not have an offseason to work together and then, you know, limited to, I know everybody was sitting at home with their tablets, probably looking at scheme and update and their playbooks and whatever they could be given. But then you get to training camp and that is uh, modified and no preseason games. Yeah. He look, I mean, the fact that he has been able to, gel and make an impression in this deal, you know, it's it's amazing. I couldn't imagine, fellas, going into a season with no preseason games. I know we always talk about how they're sometimes meaningless, but one or two at the least, uh, just to get up to speed and to see what everybody's doing out there, uh, particularly you know, some of the guys you just mentioned, uh, it's it's remarkable. So, yeah, definitely looks good in our scheme and, you know, one was a one man's trash is another man's treasure. Was that what they said? <laughs> yeah, that's yep. what they say in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move into that injury report. The Cardinals have actually stayed fairly healthy uh, through two weeks, which is obviously fortunate given what we've seen around the NFL through two weeks, especially last week. Um, they are missing a couple big players, though. Robert Alford unfortunately suffered another season-ending injury in training camp. Um, can you tell me about how his replacements have looked? I know Byron Murphy is a guy who's played a little nickel, played a little on the outside, and then uh, he's got a veteran in, in Drake Patrick there to play opposite Patrick Peterson. How have those two held up? They've held up pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm not sure they've been, really been tested yet. Uh, we, we saw the um, 49ers just, you know, they've been decimated with injury. We went into that game, and they were literally – already down a couple of wide receivers, then Kittle goes down. And, it you know, it looked really good for us, and primarily because, like I said, we were you – know, I think the uh, Niners were a little uh, fighting with one hand behind their back a little bit with all the injuries. Then we get uh, Haskins and the Washington football team come in here, and they they found a way to make us look pretty good too just <laughs> because, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I spoke with uh, – Someone over in Washington yesterday or last week, I did their show, and they were really adamant about, you know, after that win against Philly, we look really good. And I asked them about Haskins specifically because I still am not sold on him. Yeah. And he was he was fully lock, sock, and barrel, like this is his year, you know. And then I think we saw a little bit of what I kind of have envisioned, you know, Haskins. I think he's limited athletically. I don't think he is the 
you know, he's a young quarterback, still has a lot to learn, but just not really, you know, I, I didn't see him coming in here and testing our defensive uh, secondary or even, you know, anybody much. This is the week I'm scared about, though, because of Matt Stafford. Oh, my goodness. When that dude <laughs> decides to throw it and when you guys let it loose, it can look really, really good. It's just a matter of are you going to get good Matt or bad Matt? or good lines or bad lines. So if you guys come in here with guns a-blazing, this could turn into a shootout. And our young, our secondary, you know, obviously minus offer could be uh, really tested. But we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, and then, you know, on the other side of the ball, when it comes to the uh, offensive line, it looks like the Cardinals might be looking at Mason Cole maybe missing another game. Um, You talked a little bit about, you know, just without a preseason, without a training camp and you're already on your second string center. That's one of the most important positions. I think personally along the entire offensive line, especially in today's modern NFL, you see some, you know, some of these big time centers, like even here in Detroit, like Frank Ragno making a huge difference. So um, do you see that being something uh, that might be a problem for the Cardinals moving forward? Do they, do they need to get him back? Absolutely, Ryan. And, uh, you know, and you bring up a great point. The center for every any NFL team, any team, you know, college, whatever it is, you know, obviously as you go up the ladder, the schemes and responsibilities get a lot more. But a center in the NFL is he might be the third most important person on that offensive unit. Your left tackle, obviously, protecting the blind side. Uh, your quarterback, number one, obviously. That center, though along with your quarterback, is so important. And people think it's just all about blocking. No, it's about setting everything up prior to, you know, snap of the ball, you know, identifying, uh, you know, um, protection, sliding them this way, doing that. If that's all not – if quarterback and center are not on the same page and what's happening because the quarterback's looking, viewing everything, the center is at the same time communicating to the line, left and right, to get everybody on the same page so you don't have somebody just running through and, just running through and destroying a quarterback or getting the blocking schemes, you know, so you can get to those next levels and turn those two and three yard rushes into, you know, 60 yard breakaways down the field. So your center is so important and it's all about timing. It's all about those dudes being on the same page with the quarterback. And when, a, when you know, you can, your guard can be out of the lineup, even a tackle. Uh, you don't feel it as much as when your center's not there. So that's something really, you know, we'll see how long uh, Cole's going to be able to be. The, the sooner he gets back, the better, especially for a young quarterback like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, all the help he can get uh, it would, would and will be appreciated. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get more into the matchups of this game. We'll talk about the Lions, if they'll be able to stop this hot Arizona offense, and then what Arizona will do to try to stop Kenny Galladay, who's coming back, hopefully, uh, and this Lions offense and that hot or cold Matthew Stafford. So stick around. We'll be right back on First Bite. And we are back on First Bite, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast. It's Lions and Cardinals week three, the same old matchup that we seem to get. I think these teams have played seven out of the last eight years, which is crazy for a non-divisional opponent. But um, let's, I mean, we know these teams pretty well already, even though the last time they faced off, it was it was Kyler Murray's first game. So let, let's talk about maybe what's changed 
Um, and we have to start right with the Arizona offense because I think Lions fans are coming out of this Green Bay game, coming really out of the Bears' fourth quarter and being like, this is a daunting task. We've got a, a, a wide receiver crew that's that's probably the best in the NFL from top to bottom. We've got a quarterback who's a dual threat, who's got that turbo button, as Ed said in the first segment. Um, Ed, is there anything you've seen other teams do, whether it was last year or this year, to slow down this Arizona passing attack? Well, I think last year the, our biggest issue was non-explosive plays, and a lot of that came because we didn't. You know, obviously we we, we added that great piece, like we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. We didn't have that last year, mm-hmm. Larry. You know, God bless him. Larry's not a burner, never was in his career. He's turned into more of like a small tight end. You know, that dude can, you know, roll the middle of the field with the best of them from that slot position. And his blocking is unbelievable from a wide receiver standpoint. Uh, you know, you go out and you add a DeAndre Hopkins, you get a little more seasoning on Kyler Murray. And it, you know, and, and it, it looks really, and, I, and you never want to say unstoppable, but it looks very fluid early for me. You know, I was expecting the Cardinals to come out, especially our offensive line was really, I think we were rated one of the lowest of all last year. And for them to come out in these first couple games, and then I'll throw in another caveat, what's also helped them um, to, to look as good as they have cohesively is impressive. I think that was also helped by the addition of Kenyon Drake though. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we had Larry or uh, David Johnson last year. David wasn't hitting holes. David was laying down in holes last year. Kenya came in, and all of a sudden, he started hitting holes, picked up the tempo and the pace, and he made the offensive line look, I think, impressively. He made the offensive line better himself last year because he was really downhill. They got a little confidence, and the next year, everything started to work. Coming into this year so far, you got Kenyon who's still doing his thing, but you throw Kyler Murray into the mix. Kyler's, you know, game one against San Francisco, he had 91 yards rushing. He led the team yeah. in rushing. So when your quarterback is adding that on, and and and, and the, the thing I like about Kyler, he's not trying to extend plays a lot of times. He's scrambling when he has to, and he'll, he'll get down on that button a second, give you that slide, and live to fight another day. So what he's doing, he's actually helping off the offensive line Statistically, you know they're you know they're not going to give up a whole bunch of sacks when he's scrambling and getting it out of there. And his elusiveness is one thing. And now, so you add uh, Kenyon Drake to the mix, you know it just it, it really does. Everything looks nice and 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 cozy right now. We'll see what you guys come in here as far as bringing pressure. Because I know the big thing last week, everybody was talking about the Washington football team. They sacked Wentz what eight times in week one. So that was the big thing. Well, they're going to come in there. And because of, you know, Kyle Murray, he, he's like a slippery fish, man. You can't can't contain him. And like I said, he got that turbo button. And then the the, the, the thing that – and I'll talk about something that concerns me real quick. We did a little better this past week against Washington. But in the first game against San Francisco, I saw a lot of our horizontal attack, which was, you know, nothing was downfield. Everything was sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline. And I'm talking there were a couple plays even looked like they were throwing the ball backwards, you know. So it's like, okay, yeah. at some point we got to exploit the middle of the field and down the field. And I think in this game against Washington, we did that a couple of times, and that's impressive. As long as we stay on that path, you know, you you get more yards after catch with your receivers, you know, instead of throwing on the boundaries, you start getting them into the middle of the field that even causes more problems for the defense. So if we stay on that path, you know, with all the weapons we have, you know, Kenyon, uh, you know, Larry, uh, Kirk, DeAndre, and then you throw Kyler in there scrambling and doing this thing. Like I said, offense should be pretty hard to 
to to you know kind of wrangle. Yeah, it's going to be even more difficult to wrangle Ed because the Lions have statistically the worst pass rush in the entire NFL, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's a sad fact. <laughs> Brian, is there somebody in the house and give you a hug, man? <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could, I could use one, man. It's yeah. been real rough. When you, when you get roughed up by Mitch Trubisky and you know Kyler Murray's, you know, going to be the next quarterback you're facing, it's, uh, it's not great. It's not yeah. great, Ed. But you know what? You know how the NFL works. This will be the week everybody will pick against the Lions, and then they'll come out and they'll just they'll play the game of their lives and they'll shut us all up. So hope springs eternal, right? It's 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 odd though because like the Lions season under Matt Patricia has worked out that exact way in the in the first two years. We talked about it a little bit on our podcast. You know the Lions started out zero and two in uh, in, in twenty eighteen. They lose a, a big game to the Jets in Monday night. They they lose to the the Niners the next week. They have a home game against the Patriots the next week. Everyone's picking them to lose that game. They go out and win and then string a win on the next two and oh. three. So I, I think you're right there. Uh, but but Ryan, let me let me ask you a question. Okay. If if you're if you're the defensive coordinator and and we have a lot of armchair defensive coordinators in Detroit right now since everything's going wrong, what is your priority right now? Are you are you hanging back trying to not allow Kyler Murray to to get a big play downfield? Are you stacking the box and being like, "Listen, we can't let Kyler Murray or Kenyon Drake or anyone run all over this team anymore." What what do you do at this point? At, at this point, you got to keep Kyler Murray inside the numbers. You can't yeah. let him, you can't let him get outside the hash marks. You can't let him do the thing that it seems like he does best. And uh, I know Ed mentioned, you know, it's not a lot of scrambling, but he's just a guy who just screams improv. Like he can make things mm-hmm. happen with his legs, with his arm that few other quarterbacks can do. I mean, I, I'm not trying to put him in rarefied air yet, but like, are we kind of seeing like Lamar Jackson 2.0 this, this season? I mean, with the way things that, with the way things are trending, it just looks like everything's on the up for Kyler Murray. But I, I would say that my my first concern is stopping Kyler Murray from getting outside the tackle box because then 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 you stand a chance. Make him throw the ball to beat you. How how has Kyler Murray looked as a passer? You know, take let's take the feet out of the equation out of the equation for a minute, even though it's very much going to be in the equation on Sunday. But in in terms of if if the lines are able to contain him in the pocket, and, you know, not giving him lanes to escape from, uh, how's he been as a, as a downfield passer in general? He's been really good, Jeremy. The the one thing that you know, obviously, is you can't you can't teach height. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just something you're either born with it or not. The one thing that Ryan brings up is if you can keep him in the pocket, that's your advantage because of his smaller stature. And that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of our attack is sideline to sideline. It's easier to look out there uh, in terms of being able to drop back and look over the trees in front of you. And then obviously with batted balls and stuff like that's always an issue when you're not as tall as others. Uh, he he does a great – one, he's got a great ball, great touch on his ball, doesn't try to throw everything through a, through a wall. He's got, you know, nice touch, um, consistently, consistently puts the ball where it's supposed to be. The one knock, like I said, is the fact that if you can keep him in the pocket and make him try to look downfield, that's where we still – we are going to always have some issues because of, you know, like I said, his height. Um, but other than that, I mean, he's, if, if this dude was like six, one, six, you know, if he, I just say, if he was Drew Brees size, I would already be thinking, man, he might be one of the best 
to ever play this game. And not saying he still can't, but like I said, it's just going to always be a little tougher for him because it's, it's so difficult. And, and that's why I don't think you'll see a whole lot of seven-step drops with him. It's mm-hmm. always going to be something three to five steps, and he's going to be getting it out quick, whether it be slants and stuff like that. And occasionally he'll drop back. But I think more than anything, when they decide to throw the ball down the field, they're going to roll him out left, roll him out right, because that removes – the, the pocket issue, you know, if you can yeah. get him out and then create lanes for him out there, he's definitely got an arm to get the ball down the field. That's a good point about, I always forget about his height because he's just like, you get, you get mesmerized just watching him play. But um, I, I think back to, I, I just watched the 49ers game and, and one of his passes got batted and intercepted. And I think there was another batted pass. So something it, it's, it's one way to stop him, but it's not, it's not an easy way. Um, <laughs> let's uh let's go over to the other side of the ball when the Lions have it. Um we talked about it a little bit at the at the end of the last segment, but Lions are likely getting Kenny Galladay back um practice for the first time on Wednesday in, in a couple weeks. Um Lions have kind of been missing that downfield threat without him. Uh Ed, what what's the Cardinals plan here? How how, how have they been at, at protecting against the deep ball? Is, is it, you know, just a matter of getting their pass rush going? Or um, are they are they confident in their defensive backs and, and will be fine just rushing three, rushing four? No, I think it's going to be a game of pressure, Jeremy. The you can't. The, and I, I bring I brought up earlier Matt Stafford. Uh, he's a dude you cannot, and I repeat, cannot let him sit back there and be comfortable. Uh, the if you're going to uh, ruffle him, you got to put pressure in his face. Uh, the good the, the 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 good thing about Matt, though, on bonus on your side. He's an athletic guy, so he can also get mm-hmm. out of the pocket as well and get at you. But I, I'm, I'm assuming our, our uh, plan will be, first and foremost, stop the run game, whatever run game you have. I mean, I, we obviously know you had a little uh, uh, AP, Adrian Peterson back there. He's going to want to get a little get back against his yep. former team. He's going to want to have a really good game. But if you can shut that run down and then make it, you know, force uh, Matt to either have to drop back a bunch of times, but knowing he's dropping back and then put pressure in his face, mix up the coverages. And obviously if we have to saddle Galladay with uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, you could always do that. And then then the other thing is always keep an eye on where Buddha is, whether he's coming up and filling holes or if he's sitting back there, we're still waiting on, you know, they gave Buddha that big contract. You know, we're still waiting on his first interception. He still hasn't intercepted the ball. And, you know, you, you would think, you know, being back there as a safety, you know, some, some one will bounce off somebody's helmet, hands, <laughs> something, anything, and he'd already have that first one. So maybe this is the week he gets one. But I'm thinking the plan of attack is going to be pressure, 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 stop the run, and uh, don't let Matt get comfortable back there. Let's stay after him from start to finish. And we can do that with Chandler Jones and, you know, some of the different, you know, uh, matchups we have. So that'll be really important. And, uh, you know, you guys, I'm sure they're sitting in a, there's a couple of dudes sitting in a meeting room right now like I used to. You look at your matchup that week and you see Chandler Jones. I, there's a couple of times you know, I'm facing somebody like Strahan or Thomas, uh, somebody like that. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be one of them weeks. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I was, I was just a backup, so I can imagine what the starters are thinking. So, you know, strap it on, get ready, because you know he's coming. But I'm sure there's a, a couple of dudes that, you know, watching a little extra tape this week. <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully one of those dudes is TJ Hawkinson. You know, you mentioned Ed in the Cardinals and Lions matchup in week one of last season had just a breakout game. Looked like he was primed to have a breakout rookie season. Things didn't necessarily go that way. Got on, you know, got a little bit of un or uh, a little bit less lucky with an injury. But now 
into year two, it seems like he's taken a step. As a former tight end yourself, Ed, like what is it about Hawkinson's game that impresses you? Well, I like his athletic athletic ability more than anything, and you know, and, and I'm, I think we talked about this last year. My nephew, he's up there in Minnesota mm-hmm. with the Vikings, and it was Hawkinson, my nephew, and then the uh, tight end uh, that went to Denver. I can't remember his name, but no offense, no offense. Yeah, those dudes. Yeah. And you look at their, and that's like the new version of tight end. These guys that can run, yeah. uh, catch the ball, and then you, you know, obviously you'll have your big lumbering tight ends that you want to be on the line blocking that type of thing. But these hybrid tight ends nowadays, they can do so much and they create such mismatches, especially because now you, you know, I remember me and my brother talked about all the time. We would love the day when, you know, instead of having our hand in the ground, they had us flexed out, you know, in the <laughs> slot or something like that, or constantly in motion off the ball. And, you know, you feel like a glorified big wide receiver, you know, right. uh, and, you know, with Hawkinson, he definitely, you know, has the speed, has the hands, uh, and and can cause such a matchup problem, as you guys saw last year. Like I said in that opening game, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> I mean, it was. I thought, man, I was like, after this game, they're going to start working on this bronze uh, statue already, you know. <laughs> and then obviously things slowed down a little bit. The one thing about playing tight end in the league now is there is so much responsibility and there is such a learning curve on, you know, it's, it's not, you know, if they're going to task you to do everything, that means you have to be able to block. You have to be able to pick up blitzes. You got a, the, the mental game in terms of reading what's going on out there. People think you just line up and just run around. There's so many things you have to adjust on the fly as far as coverage, uh, blitz pickups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the part of the game that in the beginning sometimes slows the tight ends down. You think about the other positions, running or um, was it linemen, all you got to do is learn how to block. You know, Wide receivers, all they want to do is catch balls. Running backs, they need to run the ball and also pick up blitz. The tight end has to do so much against so many different people too. But uh, you guys, I think you have a good one on your hands. It's just a matter of letting him kind of grow a little bit and hopefully those injuries don't slow him down. That's one of the biggest things with tight ends. Uh, I don't care whether you're young or old. Uh, there's All of them are just an injury away from you know, never being the same again. But I, I like what he – obviously, seeing what he did against us last year, I just hope he doesn't repeat the process. Otherwise, it's going to be a long day for these Cardinals out here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to the prediction part. Let's let's see what we think is actually going to happen. And I don't know if you remember, Ed, but the way we like to do predictions is we do the one thing we think we know. It doesn't have to be a score prediction, but if you want to give one, that's fine too. But just one aspect of the game that you think you know is going to happen on Sunday. We'll start with Ryan so that you can you can see what it looks okay. like. Ryan, what's the one thing you think you know about Lions Cardinals week three? The one thing that I think I know is that by the end of week three, Kyler Murray might be in the top five in rushing yards in the NFL. Wow. I don't think I don't think that's a huge I mean, right now he's he's tied for I think ninth. He's ninth. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got 158 yards, so he's um, roughly about 80 yards behind the league leader, who happens to be uh, a guy that Lions fans are familiar with, named Aaron Jones. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, there seems to be an emerging trend, <laughs> and uh, I think that what you're going to see is a Lions defense that is ill-equipped. You're going to see a Lions defense that's a little bit too slow for a guy who has the juice that Kyler Murray does, to yeah. be quite frank. That's fair. It. Uh, I think that. I mean, we 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 talk a lot about the receivers and, and Kyler Murray's arm, but both him and the running game there is, is definitely 
a problem for this Lions defense who hasn't been able to stop anyone on the ground. Um, Ed, what's the one thing you think you know about this game? I got to piggyback off of Ryan. I was That's thinking right. the same thing. <laughs> that Kyler Murray and that dog on uh, uh, that button boy, he's going to be hitting it and squirting out of there. And it's going to be a long day for that front. The, one of the most discouraging things, and you and you guys keep an eye on this as the game moves forward, for the defensive linemen, they're in the hunt. And there's nothing more discouraging. Great rush up the field. You think you have him, you know, corralled. And all of a sudden he squirts out there and 15 yards up the field, he's sliding or he's running into the end zone. That yeah. can be so demoralizing. And toward the end of the game, especially because, like I said, there was no preseason. Guys are going to be a little more gassed. I know it's week three, but this is basically like third preseason game of the year, if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Toward the end of that game, Ryan, you're, you might be right on spot. He's going to be <laughs> – Dancing up the field, and and those guys are going to be hands on hips, and it's going to be a lot of frustrated <laughs> looks out there with the uh, the defensive front for the Lions. <laughs> so what you're saying, Ed, is you think you know that I'm going to need another hug. <laughs> <laughs> Have somebody on hand sitting right next to you on the game. You might even ask them to hold your hand on the game, right? <laughs> All right, well, I'll try to end this on a somewhat positive note for the Lions. The one thing I think I know about this game is DeAndre Swift is going to lead the the, the Lions in receiving yards. I know Kenny Galladay is back, but they really like getting DeAndre Swift involved in the passing game. And we, we talked a little bit off air. Um, Isaiah Simmons has struggled a little bit so far. He, he gave up a couple of big passes already in this league. So I do think that's a nice mit- mismatch for the Lions that they might try to avo- uh, exploit line maybe DeAndre Swift out wide a little bit, which we haven't seen a ton of yet. Um, I, I think it's it's a good idea. Maybe Kenny Galladay's drawing a lot of attention. You sneak him out of the backfield. I think uh, I think this is a good matchup for him. And, and like I'd kind of referred to before, I do think this has got all the looks of a, a shootout. The Lions are definitely going to be throwing the ball a lot in this game because they could very well find themselves from behind really quick. So uh, look, if, if, you got, if you got DeAndre Swift, I don't talk fantasy a lot, but if you got a PPR league, DeAndre Swift, I would say is a is a big play this week. Ryan, you, you got to take on that. You're you're a more fantasy guy than I am. I, I just wish that there was more optimism. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. I, I shouldn't have thrown it to you. Why did I even bother? All oh, right, no. let's close this thing out. Ed, uh, please promote anything you you got. If line, I mean, I love listening to you talk. So if if there are other line fans out there that love listening to you talk, where where can they hear you? Uh, well, we, you know, obviously we do the Believe in Arizona Cardinals podcast, and that's on the Believe Network, and that's B-L-E-A-V. So go there. You can look for my name, Ed Smith, my partner, Javon Adams. You can follow us there. And we also do the Saturday show out here um, on NBC. Well, it used to be NBC. Now it's uh, – can't even remember. It used to be SB Nation. We've just kept moving. But still <laughs> on the same station, 1060 a.m. out here in the Phoenix area. You can go on to Facebook and look up the Easy Sports Talk. That's us as well and i'm gonna check with you guys before we finish here i'd like to have one or both of you join us on the show this saturday if you can to you know recap and talk about the game just like we did here so we'll talk about that but um yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to this one uh you want me to give you my prediction sure yeah okay. leave us with it yeah i'm looking man i'm telling you this could be one of those up and down up and downs and yeah. I'm looking high score somewhere in the 30s, like 37, 33 uh, mm-hmm. Cardinals. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if you guys pulled off that, you know, 
soccer. I know Ryan, this is you know, I'm gonna be thinking about this, man. Over the <laughs> but yeah, I'm thinking Cardinals in this one. So I'd be really surprised if either defense slowed the other down because you know yeah. that's what it is what it is. So 37, 33 Cardinals. You know I, I was I was waiting with bated breath that he didn't he wasn't gonna say like 37 37 because I'd honestly just rather take a loss and another tie in the desert. I swear. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, believe in Cardinals podcast. Ed, thank you again for joining us this year. I, I'd love to see you again next year. I, I think there's probably a good chance we play each other, no hey, matter what I, happens, it just lines up that way. It might as well just get in the same division and get it over with, man. Right. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. We will be back here after Sunday's game on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, and on all your podcast networks. So until then, it's chaos. Be kind. Be kind.